Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Won't Back Down with Will Levinson, Jake Lehman, and Sam Potosa. Unfortunately, both of my co-hosts went to Nashville without me. Hopefully sipping some moonshine as we speak. But not to fear, I'm not alone in the Won't Back Down studio. My boy Brandon Stewart is here in the flesh in the Won't Back Down studio in the patented Sam Potosa chair over there. It's great to have you in today, my friend. What's going on? Not much. Excited for this weekend slate of football. A lot of interesting games coming on, and I'm just excited to go over this slate with you. We always love the slate, and we are probably the biggest proponent of slates in the nation. I think every week it's, you know, you you don't get a more slate-positive podcast than one back down. You really don't. And I'm glad to be pushing slate energy at all times. Week 12, and we'll talk a little Gators first, but week 12 is I think what the casuals maybe want to call a, a sneaky good one, but we it's just it's a great slate. There's Incredible. so much going on. I know you have picked a favorite game for the day that you've done your deep dive on and without I'm really doubt. stoked to be able to share that. But dude, I mean yeah, noon, three thirty night, and then what kind of sets this one apart is we probably have the one of the better after dark game games of the whole year. Yeah. yeah. Unfortunately, Oregon had to lose, so it doesn't have playoff implications anymore. But mm. we got two big Pac-12 Pac games, though. You got Utah, Oregon, and you got USC, UCLA. Right. What I like Underrated. about USC, UCLA, though, is that it's actually in the primetime slot. They didn't yep. screw them and put it. So we can watch that at eight. And oh, look, it's on Fox. I wonder if Mr. Johnson's calling it. Uh, it seems uh, he might be in Michigan. God. Big noon game. You imagine being Gus Johnson. You got Calling the, the Rose, probably the best regular season college football game in the best venue, the Rose Bowl, in Wait, years now. Isn't Michigan not the Fox? Didn't they move that to TCU? Isn't that? Oh, I have it pulled up, great. actually. Yeah, TCU Baylor is the Fox game. That could be a decent one for him to be at. Yeah, you think maybe they flexed Gus tonight, though. I hope. He needs a good game. He really needs. I Put him on prime time. He should get a night game every year. He shouldn't. There's no better one for it because USC, UCLA every year, is, they do the, the home-and-home home uniform thing, and it's just like an it's eye. Like, it's uh, the jersey uh, matchup of the year. It's not even a question. It's the most aesthetically pleasing sporting event, I would argue. Altogether. I would argue. Yeah. 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 I, I would happen to agree. I can't really think of one that looks better seeing that blue versus, I guess, maroonish red. Trojan red. Gold. It's not just blue, though. It's like, it's that, like that babyish it's blue. A, it's, it's a nice vibe. Good stuff. 
we might be at Swamp. We might be at home in our cottage. I don't know, but we will be watching the Gators at Swamp at noon. That's for sure. But we had our last, or sorry, you'll be here next year doing your Masters. One more, run it back. There's a good chance. I, I that was my last um, home game in the student section for a while till I come back and bring my little kids one day. So it was a good one to go out on. Um, I agree. Team looked complete. I think that's just the best way to put it. Yeah, that's the main takeaway. I like a game when you cruise early and then you can kind of be on cruise control. I Billy, that's Billy Ball right there, right? We would complain about how Dan Mullen would take his foot off the brakes and not blow teams out. Yep. It's a similar brand here with, and there's nothing wrong with that. You look at his tenure at Louisiana, and it was the close games. Yeah who he is but to see him kind of just take it away especially on senior night it was a nice thing to see you got to include all those guys you know maybe didn't get to play much at all in their career if at all in career in their career but he kind of got to let those guys see the field and you know play in the swamp for their last home game i think it was a really nice touch yeah um ventral miller i'm really gonna miss him he's gonna go down with one of my all-time favorite gators and he went out with one of my favorite celebrations I've ever seen. Absolutely insane. And it really sucks that teams aren't going to view him for the high-end talent because he doesn't have as much potential in the NFL, you know, to really grow where he is, where he is now. But, like, that man's insane. Like, a team's getting a steal when they take him in April. I know. He'll at least carve out a role on early downs, I think, on rundowns. And the thing is with Ventrell, it's unfortunate, in my opinion, that he had to play on really the, the years that he started here because – 2019, he didn't. So it was 23 year starter. It's unfortunate he had to start on some of the worst defenses we've had because I think on a better team, I think he really would have all American potential. It's just kind of that man just finds the ball every play. It's unreal. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the great thing about Ventrell, and there's other guys who, you know, you'll always remember, and I'm not just talking Gators, but all over the board as college football players because it's guys who don't have the measurables, guys who, you know, had to, they redshirted. You know, they trusted the process, and then they, they showed out. And, and He's one of those guys. Ventral's one of those guys. I'm really going to miss and him. At least he popped off. That's all i got to say. Good for him for reaching that potential in college. Some mm-hmm. people don't even get there. Yeah, just especially, be, I guess, because of how subpar defenses have been. It's, it, it, he always pops. You, you know? see one bright spot. At least last year, he seemed to be the bright spot of, like, man, this man could really take over and be that guy. And he just He's reached that. And I think those people just kind of everyone else kind of radiates off that energy of you know he leads them and they've got his back. Who got my back? I got your back. Who got my back? I got your back. That was uh what Ventra Miller. That was that or, video they tweeted out. Vandy during the COVID year. Wow, so two year last time we were in Nashville. Yeah, yep. we're never gonna let Ventra live that one down. Um, and now we're back. Yeah, well. So a lot of bright spots, right, for the Gators, not only Ventro Miller, but I want to talk South Carolina for a minute, given that, you know, they're an East opponent that we play every year. Actually, don't know how much longer they're going to be a divisional opponent, but... Yeah, it could be one more year. This could be it. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, they they come in 6-3. and three. That's, you know... Pretty good for their standards. Yeah. That also lacks context, though, yep. because if you look at the last three games of their schedule... They have probably the hardest schedule in the country, hitting Tennessee and then Clemson. Yeah, but I don't know. I mean, they were one program who came in with a lot of off-season hype because on paper, you know. The, the roster looked good. You they, implement a Rattler. Right. They were a year kind of ahead of schedule with making a bowl game last year. Beamer is, you know, one of those guys guy. who 
he gets he gets the people going. But they look like a program who's I think farther away than than um, we we thought they were coming into the year. I agree. They really just thought they were a quarterback away, but they lost some studs. You know, J.C. Horn being gone, um, just like kind of just roster turnover and not really seeing the growth they wanted out of a lot of their players definitely hasn't helped them as a whole. Um, but like they do have a couple like absolute freaks of nature, like Marshawn Lloyd. That man's going to be an absolute stud in the future. Um, and then, I mean, they still could get Rattler for another year or two, which is insane to talk about because that man feels like he's been in college forever. Spencer Rattler. I feel like QB1 kind of put his whole career under such a microscope, right? And yep. maybe he is changed now from kind of the, the pompous asshole as a high schooler he was back then because, look, a lot of people change from when they're 17, 18 I sure hope old. he's changed. But I think he kind of needed that humbling. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that is one of those crazy career arcs, though, for Rattler. Yeah. You know, Heisman, preseason favorite, first overall lock, per se. Mm-hmm. To, man, he could be in college six, seven years. Who knows? Yeah. And, I mean, the arm talent's still there. But I, I, at the time, I was optimistic about him him, you know, being okay at South Carolina. But their offense and how, how fit you know. for a passing they, quarterback, I think. It's a, it's a run-heavy scheme. And, I mean, yeah, he's probably listed as a dual threat, but I just don't think he has what that offense needs. If they had an Anthony Richardson, like, by gosh, like, beamer ball to the roof. Yeah, exactly. You're watching it. It's like, a, you know, Rattler certainly has regressed, but it's also like, um, you know, square peg, round hole kind of thing. He, he might be a candidate, who knows, two-time transfer, because you can do that now. Yeah. yeah. It's a crazy world of CFB. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Big 12, Pac-12 kind of quarterback. I think that's what Spencer Rattler is. He would thrive in that Pac-12. I mm-hmm. feel like just those Big 12 quarterbacks go from seeing those open systems to, like, lower quality opponents per se, even though the Big 12 isn't the best defensively. You're still getting probably faster players that move at a speed that he'd like to air the ball out. He could thrive out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, South Carolina, what happened? Um I don't know, but that, South Carolina, again, I don't think, when you're talking about programs to fear moving forward, I'm very optimistic about Florida's movement on the trail. I think, obviously, you know what, let's get to this point that I wanted to make on here, a debate a little bit. Because um, the 12-team playoff, for me, I'm a college football purist, as you know. I agree. You are too. I think it's a bit much. But it'd be fun. I just want to let all our listeners know, and I'm sure you already do, but if there is one program in the country with the current landscape of things who's going to benefit from this thing not being four teams, it's probably the team who is rivals with the team who's likely going to be the premier program in the country for the next five or so years, right? (laughs) Yeah, you're you're escaping in at like eleven. You're gonna get there. Not even eleven, but I'm just saying, like we could have years where, hey, Florida may be the third best team in the country, but you know, when it when it's the Georgia hump, you have to get over every year. The four team playoff, it makes it hard for a team yep. like that. So I think we're gonna be someone who benefits. I bet those guys in a Rocky Top wish we had that this year. Not maybe looking the best for them to get in at that four spot. But nice little twelve team playoff. They're sitting pretty. 12-team playoff this year would be, yeah, I, I don't know if you, this is the year where. You would get some great matchups, though, this year. 
the first round right now, you'd be seeing like Clemson versus Bama and Tuscaloosa. Sign me up. That's the game. Like, wow. Granted, like these teams are at like their lowest in years, but like, yeah. sign me no, up. To still, go, oh my goodness. Go yeah. Bryant Denny Stadium with two of the biggest powerhouses of the last decade just teeing up. Like, that's a game to watch. Dabo, uh, well, Dabo, as everyone knows, played there and is always kind of the rumor. The you know, is he going to replace Saban up. when he leaves? If, if Dabo were at Clemson, if Dabo were in Bryant Denny Stadium on the Clemson sideline when they're inevitably getting blown out, I think you know, thirty-one to seven by Bama, he'd be yeah, maybe some, ten. He'd be there'd be some thoughts going through that man's head. Yeah, I think, like, man, this job looks nice. <laughs> yeah. Um. But yeah, the playoff this year, and we were talking about it on our walk here by Midtown, but. Um, I think, you know, the 14 playoff chances are things will kind of work themselves out this year. Um, in terms of the committee, not having a hard job in terms of the four best teams actually getting in, that's always up for debate, but Georgia's in and the Ohio state Michigan winners in. And that's one thing that again, a purist you say, well, like it. Should. Yeah, the Ohio State. Yeah, that should be a quarterfinal game. Why is you know that's only going to be for seeding moving forward? But you're going to see some craziness. TCU's got a interesting couple of games coming up. Granted, these teams haven't been that great this year, but just looking historically, like Baylor last year coming off an insane season, maybe not looking as great you know on the defensive side of the ball this year, but they're still a team that can come in and shock you. Especially when you're playing at home, so TCU going on the road, you're going to see an interesting game. And luckily, they get Iowa State, easy win. Yeah, um, it's funny because TCU, they are. There's always a team, right? When they're not ranked, and not always a team, but when 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 a team's not ranked in the preseason, you know, we think Vegas knows everything, right? But sometimes the preseason bias even seeps through to Vegas because TCU every week it's been, you know, is this the week that they go down? Right. But the TCU Horned Frogs are eight, one and one against the spread this season. Vegas is handing out money every They've week, just undervaluing them consistently every week. This is yeah. one of the first times they're finally a favorite in Vegas's eyes. Yeah, no Texas for me was, and, and if they do make the playoff, it'll still feel feel weird seeing yeah. TCU being because it's not like yeah. they got a new quarterback come in who's lighting the world on fire. Like we've watched Max Duggan be, you know, maybe okay. slightly above average for the last like serviceable like, for a power like a for, yeah average power five team. Like he can get the job done, but mm-hmm. he's no world beater. Like you're not going to be like sign me up. I want Max Duggan as my QB one. Like. He's not going to be the guy you pick. He's someone, if you're, like, sitting there in the middle, you're like, you know what, I could work with this guy. But he's You're not just being, like, I want him. He's my leader. Give me the next four years, Max Duggan. Right. But, yeah, I mean, winning with defense, I think, was something that was refreshing for ever, any anyone who was doubting, you know, this TCU team to see. If I told you that TCU would score 17 points against Texas, you'd say they get— They lost. Not even lost, probably get boat raced. It's probably I'm thinking like a thirty eight seventeen, like they're they're getting smoked. You come out to see they won by seven. Mm-hmm. Like that's crazy. Granted, Texas had a bunch of issues in the game when it came to drop balls, that kind of thing. But TCU still played a game. They won at the end of the day, and that's all that matters. Doesn't matter how it looks as long as you get that result. Yeah, and uh, when you talk Big Twelve title game for TCU. Kansas State is having themselves a year. They were one of my win total favorites in the preseason to hit over six and a half. That's already cashed. Um, 
But you know they're sitting at seven three with only West Virginia and Kansas left to play. So it, it, you know I would I would be Kansas willing to could bet. Be sneaky. Yeah, to be that guy. I would man. be willing to slot Kansas State into that Big Twelve title game, and that game was close the first time. And then around. you get the purple off. What an elite color combo game! Just the purple and gray. Purple's I, a great football it. color. I love it. Yeah, I've I've always kind of had a soft spot for the Vikings just because of those uniforms. Just look good. Mm-hmm. It, it like looks good, looks smooth. Can't hate purple. It does, yeah. And TCU being good again is, I think, good for the sport, too. I agree. We say that about a lot of schools, but College football was fun back when TCU was good. Uh 2012, 2011. Good times with those days. Yeah. And, hey, I mean, with, you know, the two biggest um, recruiting powers of that conference leaving. Opens up a door for a lot of teams. to, To, you know, yeah, be the alpha in that conference. I don't know if there will be one. I think it will start out one or two, and then it will quickly expand to maybe like seven or eight of them all just competing on a yearly basis. But, like, how are you going to say no to TCU when, like, they've shown they can almost maybe make the CFP, and then you're seeing their two biggest competitors leave? I just think that sets them up really well when it comes to recruiting, when they're going to be, like, conference champion gets into the playoffs. We have that easiest path, and we've almost done it before, like, it's going to be a big recruiting pull for a TCU. Oh, yeah. And, I mean, hey, who knows, you know, what um, what Texas becomes moving forward because as much excitement as Sarkeesian's able to, um, you know, get going about a program where he's at, like especially at, at Texas, you know, given what he did at Alabama in that last year as O coordinator. And who Texas is. Went into Texas. Again, you know, they had a great offense last year, so the offensive recruiting's been Incredible. That's gone That's fine easy. for him. Yeah. But I think it's hard if you don't first start winning in the Big 12. You and know? then coming to the SEC right. where it's big boy ball, you're playing a different game. Now, granted, they look great against Bama, but this is not the normal Bama team that you're going to see when they come to the SEC. Mm-hmm. So, like, I mean, they killed Oklahoma, which, I mean, this year not that much of a surprise. Oklahoma doesn't look good. is very behind the eight ball, and they need to figure it out and quick. Yep, but, like, these teams are just coming into a whole different beast, and then to find out their pod's not going to be Arkansas and, like, Mizzou, like, they're going to hit a shocker real one when they're playing, you know, Georgia, if Tennessee's still as good, Tennessee, Florida, Bama, LSU. Like, they're going to probably get two or three of these teams on almost a yearly basis. They're going from, you know, playing Iowa State, Kansas, uh, West Virginia, like, these teams that don't make bowl games on a yearly basis to the juggernauts of the sport. They're going to be – given a nice wake-up call very soon with the SEC. Yeah. Well, you know, I guess a lot of that will be contingent on um, Arch Manning. That is very true. Because if he really is if he's the real deal, then number like, one this overall, makes overall, things overall, easier. Then, yeah. Yep. Hey, I mean, a little recruiting news. N- nothing, nothing concrete, but certainly something on our radar as um, Gator fans and me being somewhat of a former Hurricane myself, scarred for life. By three years of Dalvin Cook at Florida State, yep. uh, there is smoke, heavy smoke. It, it, it's billowing uh, of, again, I don't, you know, we don't know it, if it's going to happen, but Steve Wilfong is hinting at it, and so that's kind of as good of a source in the industry as you're going to get. It's yep. not just random Twitter smoke. But anyway, uh, a lot of talk about Cedric Baxter to Florida State, and again, not we were saying, we, we were talking on the way here, right? I... Norvell, 
they're having their best season they've ever had under him, and they're still in that 15 range in recruiting. And so when that happens, that kind of tells you, like, that kind of tells me, you know, you're... Gives you the big picture. Like, this is who they are. Yeah, we would always talk under Mullen, like, oh, you know, wait till next cycle. But if you can't capitalize on that good of a year, it's not... That's just who you are as a recruiter. And especially at a time where the rest of the big three is, per se, down. You know, Miami and Florida being, you know, one not bowl eligible, one just getting bowl eligibility week 10. Like, FSU under year three of Norvell should be able to be you know, a top seven, top eight recruiting class at this point. And, you know, for them to be and where, like, Mullen would be on, a, like, a yearly basis at this point just shows, like, their peak is probably, like, a 10-win team, give or take. In the ACC, too. Yeah. But, I mean, all that's to say, though. This man's going to scare me. <laughs> yeah. On the national level, I don't think anyone's going to fear FSU as a, you know, playoff title threat in the in the coming years you never know with the ACC actually yep. you never know they they could get it. Clemson's could be on their downfall yeah. now but no I mean Cedric Baxter regardless of what FSU trots out there that man will you know strike terror into my heart because there's certain I think recruits where you you see the tape and you just know and he's him I think he's gonna guys. I you can just tell he's going to wear number four like Dalvin Cook did, and it's just going to be awful. It's going to be a lot of PTSD it, for yeah. three to four years. I know. But, yeah. You know, I mean, not only did he tear up Florida, but you know, I, I used to root for Miami also as a side team. And if you think that he terrorized Florida, he really terrorized the Hurricanes. <laughs> I mean, it was bad. Like, it single-handedly beat uh, Miami three years in a row. It was Nutty to watch Dalvin Cook play but college football. if there's one thing that is a positive, when he comes to play in the Swamp, he's got a tough D-line to go and play against, especially with the way uh, Napier and Sean have them working. You know, Princely, Big Dez, McClellan, even like Jalen Lee, um, Powell, like these guys have stepped up. When he comes to the Swamp, it's not going to be a cakewalk. Yeah, and... Who knew that Brenton Cox leaving was maybe Might have been the biggest what it gift. took for our D-line to start playing well. And the great thing watching us play, dominate the game in the trenches against South Carolina, yep. was that other than Osiris Torrance on the offensive line, all those guys in the trenches on both sides could be back next year, yep. which is crazy. And that's a great thing to think about. If you came into the season and told me Gerv was coming back, I would have said you're crazy. That man was almost first-round, second-round lock. Yeah, and he's just gotten that unfortunate situation of just being double teamed for like s- the first seven games of the year, and most of that was due to the fact that like we just couldn't get a pass rush. But like, apparently Brenton Cox was holding us back. I mean, Antoine Powell, absolute stud in the pass rush game. Man, I just feel like he's always in the backfield in the quarterback's face. Princely's just a freak off the edge as well. So when you got the two of them putting like. Bernie and like a pass rush every so often, you're just getting to the quarterback more, which frees up Gerv. So he's starting to pick it up again. Give him another year in this defense. That man's back in that first round combo. Yeah. Hey, it's up to him at the end of the day. We would love him back. I think if, I mean, we can agree if you're getting first round talk, you got to go, but yep. it kind of, it does seem like maybe it's, that's, it might be one of those situations where he could be back. Yeah, we'd take it. Um, but even if not, though, McClellan waiting in the wings. Very good player. Um, I mean, you, you got some guys who have been here for a while, like a Jalen Lee could be pretty good. 
Um, Jalen Humphreys even. Yeah, there's always that, that nice, big, shiny thing at a different school. Um, Tyreek Sapp, though. But, yeah. No, Powell. Yep. Powell's one of those players, and to the naked eye, to me, it kind of seems like he doesn't have the measurables, uh, size of the speed. He's all he's got a nose for the football, though. You're it's, absolutely it's right. He's like the Jared Davis of past. Like, yeah, he didn't have the necessarily six three middle linebacker build, but that man just got to the ball. I feel like it's the same thing with Powell. Yeah, good take. And then all of a sudden, Princely, who we heard in camp was going to have a breakout this year, is now these yep. last few weeks, which and is I, great to watch. And who would have thought? It's just one man possibly leaving this defense. <laughs> Crazy. Who knew Crazy what went times. on behind the scenes there, but. You could tell, um, I think, some ego issues. And, hey, he's going to get drafted regardless. So I think it, it yeah. probably worked out best for everybody. Yep. yep. Give him more time to prepare for the draft. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, so the D-line was very good. And, again, young, the, my main takeaway watching this game was all of, the you know. youth playing well. Yeah. I mean, it, it really did hit me these last couple of weeks how young the – vast majority of the key contributors are on this team and the percentage of people who are contributing that are Napier people is insane considering that it was a transition class and had a month and a half to pull this in and these guys are just on the field feels like all the time right it's the hit rate that I that really gets me feeling optimistic about the future because he what was it I think in a transition class you get maybe we, we brought in, what, maybe like 18 from high school. It was a small class. And then three transfers, two of which were former two stars from Louisiana who are our two best players on offense. Um, but, yeah, even like the um, the guys who weren't on our radar at all in high school recruiting last cycle, like Miguel Mitchell was a three-star. I mean, I'm just looking at the roster here. Of all the new guys Napier has brought in, there are, like, three guys who don't see the field on, like, a consistent-ish basis that play for this team. And these guys are, like, key contributors. It's incredible to see what he did in his first recruiting class. Like, these next couple of years are going to be incredible if he pulls it, like, even just half the clip he's done now. Like, you're getting Montreal and ETN in the backfield. Those are two could-be superstars. Dogs. SEC play for the Dogs. next couple of years. Yeah. You got one of my personal favorites in Caleb Douglas. Absolutely think he is going to be the real deal. Douglas was, yeah, he was one who interestingly played quarterback until his junior year. So as a receiver, he kind of, I think, flew under the radar a little bit. But, yeah. He looks good. I'm glad he did. Then we got, like, Miguel and Kamari in that safety spot. Like These guys just see the field. Um, then you're throwing in, like, Ricky as a transfer. Who, I mean, he's just great route runner, always open. Almost feels like a Freddie Swain-esque. Like, yes, it, he does. There. That is probably the closest comp you can make. And he's one who it's interesting. Um, I think he'll have an interesting decision to make. I agree. I think he can benefit a lot from coming back, but a lot of that depends on our quarterback situation mm-hmm. next year. Um, and then even on defense, you got also Shamar James. You got Chris McClellan. Even Jalen Kimber as a transfer. These are all guys seeing the field, making impacts in year one. Like I have faith in Billy when it comes to pulling in the right guys in the recruiting and transfer portal. It's just a matter of executing on a week-by-week basis. Yep. It's uh, it's crazy what a difference I think a few weeks makes in the outlook for our program. Because a couple weeks ago, you're, you're four and four. Mm. 
I never wavered, and I'll stand by that. I'm just saying I've as never a general wavered. consensus. The biggest supporter of Billy game. Napier. I agree. You have are, too. There are some people, not naming names, <laughs> Will. Um, who have maybe wavered in their fandom. No, it, but, I mean, no, I'm just saying that, you know, a couple weeks ago, it, it, it not that he wasn't going to work out, but that, you know, maybe we're a little further away than we think, and then all of a sudden you, the flip switches at halftime of the Georgia game. Yep. And... You know, the defense has a pulse. They're playing with some fire. And then you take a look again at the at the roster and wh- who's really contributing. And then you look at what USC, Tennessee, some of those programs do. You realize a roster flip is coming. Yep. And I think, again, we talked about it a couple weeks ago. I think 40, I would put it, the number of, of new players on the roster next year. They know what needs to be done. Billy Napier is not going to sit here and, and have us sit through a three to four year rebuild process. I mean, especially with at this point, he's already at 23 committed players. Granted, they're not NLIs, but he's got 23 in the class right now. You're going to lose maybe another like 15 players from the team as is, as we stand. He's got to replace already, I think like five or six guys have left. It's about, you're sitting at 40 right there. No, I don't expect to compete for the playoff next year, but yeah, it, it really does excite you for the future when, you consider I close to 30 from high school and then 10 transfers is not an exaggeration no. whatsoever. And then, so you combine that with, you know, roughly 20 from this last cycle. And all of a sudden the vast majority of your roster is completely, it's the, there's some people still there from the Molinero, but it's already in year two, his team. And that's, yep. I think nowadays coaches have so much less time than they used to. So he knows it. We know it. That's what needs to happen. That's what's going to happen. Yep. And I mean, I think he's getting us in that right spot. Mm-hmm. The day. That's all that matters. We're making steps forward on a week-by-week basis at this point. He, he's organized. It's all people have said, and you can see it coming to fruition. Yeah. And, hey, this isn't uh, a propaganda podcast. I mean, there are still plenty of concerns. Like, Oh, know. yeah, 100%. Um, special teams. Yeah. It's a little shaky. <laughs> Yeah, hire. We need a special teams on field coach, game changer coordinator, ain't getting it done. Um, the offense, I think all the all the stuff about Billy needing to hand the keys over was always completely overblown. But I do think you need some help in terms of maybe like a, a passing game coordinator or, or something. Just yep, just someone who can you know look in the booth and just kind of call things out on a game day basis. Mm-hmm. Doesn't have to be like a big name position, like how Joe Brady was in LSU. He was just a passing game coordinator. Mm-hmm. You know, no one really suspected anything, but then. My gosh, that team lit up records. Yeah. And then, you know, as far as other um, concerns, you know, needs go, as great, as much hype as our D-line class that we're bringing in has got. Interior could use some work. There really aren't any. We took a lot of defensive end types, Mm -hmm. which is good. I mean, Kelby Collins, I think, is going to be a beast. Cameron James, I think, at either end or maybe bulks up and plays on the interior. Those will be good players, but... I think we got one now in Will Norman who can play on the inside. Will Norman, yeah, who has played against, like, you know, Jake Lehman's and Zach Galpern's in his high school career, so I don't really know what to make of him. Um, But, yeah, one of those, uh, John Walker, Jordan Hall, those D-tackles who you know are actually SEC-caliber D-tackles. Bring one in. That's what we've been lacking. Yep. That's what we've been lacking. We filled that quarterback hole, get us that D-tackle. 
fill that Gerv spot, and hopefully a year if he comes back, if not a little sooner than later. But, man, if you can complete that roster with just one more deep – or this just defensive line recruiting class, one more interior guy, like, you're looking a lot better. Absolutely, yeah. I, and that'll be – whoever it is, I think, will play uh, year one. Yep. And especially when you look at it as a whole, like, maybe we could use one more linebacker, not the biggest end-all, be-all. Man, those DBs are going to be nice. When you get those DBs and D-line together, like, teams aren't going to have time to throw. It's going to be unreal what they're going to be able to do. It is going to be nice. Um, linebacker, yeah, I think you do need one more from high school. But at the end of the day, all of the top targets at linebacker are off the board, so yep. I think maybe Portal. I agree. I think you can pull someone from, like, a group of five team. Right. Looked good, maybe not the best, but just kind of fill a hole for a year and then get someone the year after mm-hmm. where we look good in the linebacker spot right now. Um, Do we? I mean, for next year, though. We'll yeah, have... 2024. We have... Oh, recruiting-wise. Yeah. Okay, yeah. I'm on the field next season, not so much. No, but the year after, we're pulling in some big linebacker names already. Hopefully that just continues. Yeah. Um. One name who I, I, I watched a little bit of their huddle because um, he's you know supposedly a, a lean to Florida at this point, and that's so far out, 2024. But yep. Adarius Hayes is Bobby yep. Boucher. He's Bobby yep. Boucher. Just gets to the ball. Insane. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's. I don't know how he's not a five star. He, he will be by the end it's of the cycle. Because he's a Florida lean. Mama said. Oh man, yeah. This this team has a bright future. I think Billy's definitely the right guy. Um, a couple coaching changes could be made. Maybe not the biggest need. Mostly just special teams. Probably need to fix that. Hey, but an underrated player nobody's really talking about. Crawshaw's been killing it. Man's flipping the field at a rate people don't know. What what is his eligibility? I believe he's a like what, sophomore now. You never know with the Australians because he's probably like twenty six years old yeah. or something. I think he's in college football a sophomore because of the COVID year. I could be wrong, <laughs> but man, this stuff is like crazy to Van figure out. Van Wilder, wow. Well. Yeah, he's a sophomore this year. <laughs> that is nutty. I wonder how old he is. Because no yeah, Miami's got the 30-year-old punter. Yeah, I, I'm going to guess he's probably like 23. Yeah. Would be my wild. I don't know if they have it on his. I don't think they have it. Whatever, it doesn't matter. Um, like, I mean, yeah. He's been just flipping the field whenever he's needed. And like, luckily, these past couple games really hasn't been needed that much. The offense is clicking. He's just kind of been there. It's kind of like Thomas Morstead. Yeah. The offense is clicking. And then uh, back to, you know, what what needs to be done to maintain it going forward. This offense is, I think, completely and 100% reliant on having an advantage on the O-line. And, uh, you know, that's you could say that about anyone. But Napier's scheme in particular, I think it, it's it's completely contingent on being able to push the other team off the ball. Yep. Set um, up the run game, establish play action. Plays. It's, it's yeah. basically what his offense has been, but because it that running game is so good, it works so well. Yeah, it does. It's just you need to recruit it year in, year out because you miss one cycle, all of a sudden your, your offense is dead. But yeah, because again, it's just and it'll be fine. But I think this regime, it'll never be the Mullen type where he's able to you know, go in the lab and completely <laughs> remake an offense over an offseason. Like, you're not going to yeah, see that. You're not going to see the Trask to Emery kind of flip of an offense in a year. Yeah. You're going to see the same offense 
pending some crazy change at ability that maybe we haven't seen. But historically, he's been, this is my offense, and we're just going to find the guy who can run it. And I, I, it should work in theory, but, man, if, as you said, he misses a cycle where it doesn't work, things could get scary. Yeah, that's why you bring in two line coaches. They, they know what needs to be done. Yep. And, you know, not, they really haven't missed yet. So yeah. I got my faith until they do. They um, took over a year one offensive line with a coach who was very questionable and made them look like one of the best units in college football. I have faith in the two of them. Yeah. I hope that uh, the Osiris, because he'll be gone, I hope the Osiris-Torrance effect isn't that great. I agree. And it might be, because if you really sit He's down and unreal. watch his individual he snaps, he is unbelievable. Him. Yeah, yep. Whatever NFL team drafts him is getting the guard of the future. Mm-hmm. He's the Linderbaum of this year. Lock it in. It's wow. Um. Speaking of Louisiana guys, and wow, we're 35 minutes in this. So we got to get to the slate soon. Oh, but wow. <laughs> speaking of guys from Louisiana, I just have to mention it because it was unbelievable to watch. Harold Perkins is our biggest, going to be our biggest what if on the recruiting trail since I don't, Dalvin I don't Cook, know. probably. Who we were just talking about. Man, give this dude the Heisman. He's last year's Will Anderson. Without Harold Perkins, what is LSU this year? I mean, yeah, they lose the BAM again. They lose, yeah, but you probably lose three more games. You're sniffing bowl eligibility at this point. Mm-hmm. Like this man just totally changed the outlook of that program with Brian Kelly, and that's high school recruiting and the importance of it, and and why uh, we had a coaching change this last off season. But yeah, we, you want to talk Bobby Boucher? He's Bobby Boucher. Yep, yep. I, I've never seen someone fly over the field better than Harold Perkins as a true freshman, ever. He's he, better than some guys who've been doing it for three years. Especially, and you know what it is? is because he played running back and was the best. He could have been a five-star running back, too. There's just some guys who are freaks. Mm-hmm. They really are. He really is a freak. That's going to be someone who might benefit Florida if we go to a one division, play different teams every year, and not have to see LSU on a yearly <laughs> basis. Damn. Harold Perkins is damn good at football. Um. Slate is staring at me right now. Let's let's go through Woo! it. Start with some noon games. Which one's catching your eye the most? At noon, uh, well, we'll 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 you know not talk about our game. Yeah. Um, well, Illinois Michigan was one I'd been looking forward to. It's kind of lost its flair in recent weeks. It has, it's but still, it's still be, sh- hopefully a good game. <laughs> I think I mean Michigan will pull away, but I think Illinois has a fighting chance at you know showing why they were ranked for what three weeks. Tommy DeVito is still playing football somehow, but he's solid at it. Yeah, they were legitimately one of the best defenses in the country. Still are uh, one a legitimate top twenty-five team, but I like to throw on Illinois because Chase Brown is unbelievable to watch play running back. Yep. You can tell he's from South Florida too. Yeah, There's some guys where you know. Better athlete. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, another game I think is kind of interesting. You had Duke versus Pitt coming into the season. You probably thought nothing out of these teams, yet they're both sitting bowl eligible at this point. Duke, one of the most surprising teams, the great run offense versus Pitt and Slovis coming in and just kind of doing what they were, I guess, expected to do this year. Should be another ACC team that gets to like seven wins. And like content with it, but like it's a game where that could somehow get very high scoring really quick because neither team's defense is great. 
yeah, Dukes is not, but yeah, good, good on Elko for doing what he's done in year one. Incredible. And so much of it has been Riley Leonard, though. He is fun yeah, to watch. Oh, he is incredible. Mm-hmm. Maybe in future Gator quarterback. How does he like, um, how do you, how do you like Gatorade, Riley Leonard? What's your I, favorite flavor? We I could bet get he you. loves it. What's Wait, the hate? We get, we get Riley Leonard a lot of Gatorade What's next year if AR leaves. Yeah. Um, TCU Baylor is also at noon. Hopefully Gus is not calling that game. Mm-hmm. Two and a half points spread. And again, like we talked about. Um, and Big Will actually brought this up to me over text. I hope, are they in Nashville yet or are they still not bus? I certainly hope they're there. It's <sighs> been about 12 hours now. Damn. Um, but yeah, no, it, it, it really is wild how just every week consistently. And you think one of these weeks, but this year's Baylor team, I don't think is the team to do it. I doubt it, but, like, you never know, man. That Big 12 is just wild. You never know, but Baylor, you can just tell they're kind of lacking yeah. talent that they had. Because last year, I mean, Matt Rule left over a lot of good players. Mm-hmm. The majority is of you know, why and Baylor was so good last now year. Now they're kind of gone. They, they've got a couple. They're gone. Players. I mean, Shapin's been whatever this year. He's turned the ball over a decent clip, I think. I think he had like 10 interceptions when I looked or something. Maybe Let's nine. See. 13 and eight yeah. ratio. He, I mean, he's a gunslinger. He has arm talent but for sure. Richard Reese looks good. The running back, I think he was at like 1,300 or 800 yards, like 13 tutties. Like for a Big 12 running back, not bad. You're, you're getting a successful looking offense around a quarterback who's willing to throw it and a running back who can kind of bruise through and get you into the end zone. It's a decent offense. I just think they're well behind where TCU is. Yeah. No. Pound for pound, blow for blow, I think. Yeah. TCU's done it against better, better. quality yep. opponents than Baylor all year. I yep. don't see why it stops now. That Kansas State rematch in the Big 12 title game will be interesting. I agree. Um Another game that could get interesting maybe at the noon slate, Nebraska-Wisconsin. <sighs> that um, one in the preseason probably looked a lot looked better. Looked very huh? good. Now it's, you know, can Wisconsin become bowl eligible? Rough remaining schedule where they hit Nebraska and then Minnesota. They ha- probably have to pull this one out if we're being honest. I think Minnesota might have their number this year. Mm-hmm. Hey, any chance that next year this one's Lance Leipold versus Matt Rule? There's a good shot. I, I, I haven't scoured the Wisconsin twenty four seven enough yeah. as of late. I don't know what Lance Leipold's up to. I have no. I hope clue. he stays at Kansas. I like, agree. Build that team could be so fun. I know Jalen Daniels. I'm sure has another year of eligibility, right? Probably. He has to he definitely. He, you can I play till you're twenty five now. I think he's a junior. Yeah. Um, We're like sophomores. Something like that. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's about it for like the notable noon games. At least for me, I don't know mm-hmm. if you have anything else kind of sticks out. Again, other than our game, um, let's just do our game now yeah. because we got a lot to talk about at that mid-afternoon uh, uh, time slot. So every year when we play Vanderbilt on the road, weird. Um, weird. we make whoever's playing quarterback for them look like Tom Brady for about a quarter or yeah. a half. It's going to be cold out. This team's finally hearing about how good they are this last mm-hmm. week. I think Napier's one to quell that, but I think this one will be a little high, higher scoring than people expect. I agree. I think that line being set at 57.5 could kind of fly through the roof, depending. I mean, it's solely on that first quarter. If Vandy comes out and puts up, you know, 10, 14 in that first quarter, that over's hitting. I don't even have a question. Mm-hmm. 
But if the defense stands up as where the, how they've been, you know, these last six quarters, there's a chance this game flies under, and it's because Vandy only scores seven. Very possible. Yeah. I don't know. The one thing that we really struggle with, and even with this late resurgence that I don't trust, is any sort of mobile quarterback threat. But is he the starter? Isn't he played smart? against Mike Wright. He beat Kentucky. So I don't know I don't know what their deal is, but he will be playing. I mean, that's another question mark. Who is Vandy starting? Is it Swan or is it Wright? You really don't know until it's game time. I know. I think I think by mid first half it'll be Mike Wright. I agree. I think he is the better fit for that team. And especially mm-hmm. how he looked early this year when he was just running all over. Was it like Hawaii? Yeah, I remember week zero. We yeah. were watching that game. He just absolutely smoked him sixty three points. Mm-hmm. He looked like he was the real deal. Who knows? I mean, things have changed. They've played some real teams now. Yeah. I think it should go well for us. They are good at linebacker. Yeah, they always are. They always have that one guy who's just like, why is he at Vandy? Mm-hmm. It was, um, what's his name? Zach Cunningham a while back. He was good. They also had, oh, wasn't there a kid from Gainesville? They had, <sighs> well, Keyshawn Vaughn was a Gainesville kid. Not running back. I don't know. I'm trying to think. Who you're saying, it, it rings a bell. Um, what's the coach's son? Yeah. Yeah, Rumpf. Yeah. That might have been Duke, but yeah. Probably. I don't know. They they just look. Same thing. Yeah. Smart school. Middle of the middle of the eastern part of the United States. Ryan Shear doesn't know. No. Tennessee is definitely by like Washington to him. Uh, I know. Yeah. Something like that. Uh, but yeah, like Vandy's just a team always deceptively like good talent for who they are, especially on defense. I feel like you always find a good player or two out of that mm-hmm. roster that like will put out a serviceable NFL career, and you just kind of wouldn't expect that from a school like Vandy. Yeah, like Utah though, they're not as big up front as some of these other SEC schools. E- yeah. Even even the lower quality ones. They don't quite have the beef, and so with the matchup this season, with the way our O line is, I think it. it I think we run all over them. Yep. I think Etienne and Montreal combine about two hundred yards. I agree. They have score prediction like we always do. I'm gonna rock a nice forty-one to ten, which I guess puts me at the under. I was gonna go uh, thirty-eight to to twenty-one. I like it. We cover. Yeah, we do. 14 points right now. Mm-hmm. My only fear is it's the first game. Anthony's really starting in the cold. Haven't really seen that before. Who yeah, he and plays. he hasn't lived anywhere cold, no, I don't think. He knows how he plays. could struggle a bit. I just think our running game is going to be so much more dominant where we don't even have to really rely on him necessarily taking the ball on these like read option plays. Like We're just going to get such a good push up front that it's not going to really make a difference. Mm-hmm. All right, uh, Sam Potosa's lock of the week from Nashville's Gators minus 14. And he has one more, but I'll wait until what time is that team playing at? We'll get there. All right, it's so moving along from 12 to 2.30 because Notre Dame, for whatever reason, is it is more important than everybody and has to play. Have to be a little quirky. At you know? 2.30, we don't need to spend too much of our time on this game. I think they run away with except it. Except to mention that... Phil Dracovic may be an option. He needs some uh, greener pastures. Could be good to see. 
know. Former Notre Dame recruit. Yeah. But, uh, well, no, the reason I even bring this game up, though, is that Big Will, Big Will's lock of the week from Big Will's chair, reading it, Boston College plus 20 and a half. Interesting. I don't hate that. I think they are a very sneaky team with one of the best receivers in college football. No, I think they're awful, but uh, Notre Dame's also not, not that good. such a scoring threat this season. Zay Flowers, two touchdowns. That's literally their whole offense, just giving the ball. If you've watched a Notre Dame game, if you've actually watched a Notre Dame game this season, it is eerily uh, reminiscent of, of when we were trotting Luke Del Rio out there, quarterback, and just like... <laughs> Every, every game felt like it was just like, can we hang on? Defense you know? wins games. Yeah. That, that All right, we won. Times. We did. SEC championship appearance. Yeah, but Notre Dame, their win against Clemson last week, it was like two defensive touchdowns, yep. you know. And so. DJ maybe not being the answer in Clemson. Yeah, they're finding a way, though. Um, Indeed. Speaking of Clemson. All right, rapid fire. Yeah. Uh, they got Miami. Miami, Clemson. I think the probably the funniest tweet I saw this week was uh, one of, one of the Caneville Twitter yep. accounts going, well, you know, position by position, we're about really even. not that you know quarterback, wash, running back, Will Shipley, who you know, um, the delusion in that fan base is unbelievable. But you it know what? Crazy. I don't want to spend too much time on the airwaves because I agree. Go Tigers. I think it's pretty straightforward. Yeah. Yeah. Again, just like. The odds makers undervalue teams who they were low on early in the season. That early season bias is still there. I mean, yep. it, Miami has been just week after week after week continuously um, overvalued. They're two and eight against the spread. They don't learn. This week they maybe they might did learn. Cover. <laughs> yeah, nineteen's a lot a for lot that Clemson offense. Up. If they bring in Klubnik, though, I think that game gets out of hand. I think he's just so. Is much this a real tweet? Hang on, someone just sent me a tweet. I don't know if it's real. Um. It's big news if it is real. Hang on. Uh, I'm not going to say it because this account seems a little sketchy. I don't know. I don't know if we're talking about the same one. Uh, I don't think so. Max Rappaport sent it to me. Um, We don't have to read it. It, it, People will find out if it's true. I don't know. Um, Yeah, yeah. Ohio State Maryland was one I was talking about with someone in our apartment the other day. I believe it was me. Yeah, you talking about were you con- were Talia. you the one who was very confident about Maryland covering? No, I said if Talia so it wasn't plays, you then. They could put up points. Yeah, that was what I said. But and I agree. I don't know if he's back at a hundred percent. He's struggled in recent games. You know, I think he put up like seventy yards against Penn State last week. They just didn't look good. If he's playing like he did early in the season, get that over. I just don't see it. Maryland, yeah, their program was such a ceiling that like they are what they are. Who who do they play in, in week twelve? Because sitting at they six hit and four, if they're gonna hit seven. Then and five, seven and five is a pretty good are. year for Maryland. I mean, that's kind of where I see them. They're somewhere right. in that six and six to eight and four range. Yeah, it's just not all it's records like, are created. Uh, no. Florida. If we go seven and five, it'll it'll be it's a down year. Well, and, and close losses too. Yeah, Maryland, they've been they kind of do the same thing games. every year under Loxley, where it's we beat most of the teams we should, and then any team 
who's ranked, we yep. <laughs> completely lie down on the Except floor. Except for Michigan, and they give kept up. that one close. I think they lost by like seven or ten. They lost by seven. That's and a good point. They did so, hang around there. But this is a completely different team at this state, and you're getting Ohio State when they're just mm-hmm. rolling through people left and right. Yeah, they are not looking ahead to Michigan. They no. they need to warm up for Michigan because they've yep. kind of been able to fine tune sleepwalk here, all year. Yeah, and they're gonna get right. God, the Big one Ten, game, one three thirty game. Ah! I like Louisville, NC State. I think it's a very underrated game, but I'm gonna ride with Malik Cunningham. I just think he's a difference maker. Hasn't been given that much credit because they've kind of fell under the radar early this year. But they've kind of picked up. Didn't play the best against Clemson last week. If he played at all, I think he was hurt. But, like, if that man's playing at quarterback, they're a good team. Which provides a complete different level of that offense. Louisville's back. Yeah. Louisville's back. They were another one of my win total picks. Six and a half. They need one more. more. They hit NC State and Kentucky. I think they can split those. It could be it's big for the record. Big for the record. I mean, they're the favorite right now at home. So there's a good shot. Hopefully Vegas is right for your sake. Hit that over. I bet zero dollars on it. And but just for the <laughs> just for the morale, the Jake Lehman lost. It's, it, it's for it's it's for um for pride. Yeah, it's for pride. It, it, just say you knew beforehand. I'm not gonna bet on eighteen separate win totals. It's no. just a that's, I like the that's record. Throwing darts. Yeah. But yeah, NC State, it's funny because um they they lost Leary obviously and so that that was you know Leary was really why everyone was so high on them coming into the year it was mm-hmm. the defense is really good and then Leary their backup true freshman who's been starting the last couple of weeks Looks is kind of coming along and, yeah. and NC State's got their quarterback of the future I think he's figured things out the offense is working um, granted oh they did just lose to Boston College but he's a true freshman yeah and Boston College probably put together their game of the year. Behind that freshman quarterback, like Moorhead. Yeah, threw for 330 yards. Like You don't really get that that often okay. out of Boston College. Like Okay. It took that much for them to win by one. It, it's a fluky game. But, yeah, MJ Morris, NC State true freshman starting quarterback, would probably he might be the QB of the future at uh, University of Florida if we kept bowling around. He probably would have been. <laughs> well, actually, no, no, Evers. I forget. Yeah. yeah. Nick and Monica. Monica wonder, and I wonder how they're doing. Hitting the portal. Not officially, but they will. They will be in very short time. Um, it's a funny headline. Well, not funny, but I clicked on the NC State schedule. Ex-NC State player arrested for stalking Doran. Mm, fun stuff. Wonder what goes on there. <laughs> what? If there's one person that I just would find far too boring to stalk, it'd probably Dave Doran be number yep. one on the list. Definitely up there. <laughs> yeah, and it's just like watching paint dry. He probably turned himself in. He was like, this sucks. Yeah. Like, why am I doing this? On to the big game of the day. So big that it didn't even get grouped in at 3.30 with all those other games. By the way, this we didn't even talk special. about Georgia-Kentucky because it's really not worth, it's not worth talking the about. airwaves right now. 4 o'clock, you take it away, Brandon Stewart. This is, the resident Big Ten West analyst. This is my personal fan game of the week. Iowa, Minnesota. Um, been a fan of this Iowa team all the way back week one. Sat there, watched the entire South Dakota State game where there were zero touchdowns scored. Just had a great time. Um, I remember. It was Iowa, again, the, the Jackrabbits, right? Yep. Yeah. Two safeties, two field goals, total score. <sighs> Incredible game. This game is going to be about as ugly. Both teams, incredible defenses. 
Iowa's at number three. Minnesota at number eight. Both teams terrible offenses. Iowa at 129. Minnesota 71. Brandon, I've got a question for you. I'm genuinely curious. Go for it. What, what is the the point total on this game? Uh, we're sitting at a good 32 and a half. 32 and a half? Total. That's got to be some kind of record. I got to look that up. Absolutely crazy. These teams 32 and a are half are probably five going games. to hit the under. Is the craziest part. These teams have put have hit the over in their games collectively between the two of them in ten game in twenty games six times. Good God! These teams have no offense. The only saving grace to the offenses that de- these two teams have is Minnesota can run the ball with Mo Ibrahim. He's averaging 140 yards a game on the ground just to come in and play the number seven run defense in the country. Like, <laughs> this game is going to be ugly. There's going to be minimal throwing the ball, especially with rumors that Tanner Morgan might be done for the season. Mm. Apparently a second concussion in a very short time span. He'll be retiring. He Good thing he's not Tua and he only had one. Um, he's really old, though. Yeah, he's like 24. He's been bald his whole career. Yeah, yeah. unfortunate. But at least Rough for the bald At community. least he's played D1 football. He's yeah. got that going for him. He'll be fine. Um, But, yeah, so they're rocking with this new fresh, or I think he's a freshman or sophomore at this point, Ethan Kaliakmanis, who actually could be better for this offense. I was reading up on him. Seems to be more of a dual-threat guy with the ability to run. Has, like, 200 rushing yards in, like, three games in the season. So there could be potential for them to actually like kind of move the ball. Um, it's just unfortunate they're playing Iowa, who just doesn't give up yards. I believe on the season I was reading, Iowa has 15 touchdowns as a whole. Like this team's just not going to score. For our non-math majors out there, that's one and a half per game. That's n- not even. Which adds up to um, nine points. If- well, yeah, not one. Yeah, they played ten. Um, yeah, they're they're not fun. I mean, they are fun if you like defense. Whoa, if you're an wait, offensive wait. guy, yeah, it's one and a half. I had it right. Yeah. I, oh. I was thinking of Ibrahim. I read something else. Because, um, yeah, Ibrahim's only played in nine games. Sitting at over 1,200 rushing yards, though. Man's a freak. Um, just got his Gushers NIL today. Kind of pretty cool box if you look at it. Mo Gushers. Um, not as cool as Pancake Honcho, but pretty cool. Not at all. But, um, yeah, this game's just going to be ugly. <laughs> I can't wait. And I love it. Like You know what I like? Some of the Big Ten names going on in this game. John Michael Schmitz, the yep. All-American center for Minnesota. Yep. And what's crazy is Minnesota has a linebacker nobody's talking about. And this dude's got like 70 tackles on the year. Mariano Sori Marin. How great of a name is that? That's a great name. Although I don't know if it's a Big Ten name, but it's a cool name. No. But this dude, I think he's sitting at like 73 tackles. Um Granted, one sacks, and this man's a middle linebacker, which is going to provide some issues for uh, Caleb Johnson, who's had some big games, um, running for 200, I think, a week or two ago, and then, like, only averaging 61 on the year. So he's got, like, a big uphill battle to climb. Man, this game could be fun. Minnesota sitting at minus 2.5, and and I have absolutely no clue where I'm leaning with this game, knowing that Tanner Morgan's not playing. Well, all right. The one thing I will say, though... It's meteorology time. Uh, I believe it's supposed to be about 30 degrees. No snow, though? Uh, oh, 20 degrees in snow. Oh, it's going to be beautiful. It's going to be 20 degrees. Where are you getting 20? On that glorious CBS app. Google says it's going to be 14. I, Google knows more than I'm CBS. riding with Google. 14. By by the end of the game, fourth quarter, 12. That's going to be incredible. 
Sign me up. Send me to Minnesota. I would love to be there at that game. Higher points scored in the fourth quarter or temperature by Iowa. Iowa oh. Iowa points or te- that's a prop. Temperature. Temperature. Slam it. They're not scoring 12 and a quarter. 12. <laughs> what are you crazy? I, I genuinely think this game could see a final score of like 10 to 7, and I wouldn't be surprised. We're going to lock in. I'm rocking. Final score, we're going 16 to 3. Give me Minnesota. Cottage 2. We're locking in for this one, huh? I can't wait. What do Midwest people eat? We got we to gotta celebrate. Do they? Bra- bra- they, they, pro- they probably eat fish. Get some bratwurst. And, uh, they probably eat fish. They like go in the ice, cut a hole. Fish it out. And well, that. Minnesota, Iowa cuisine is largely different than yeah. like Wisconsin, Michigan. So then, that's true. I uh, corn. I can, I can find out. I'll, I'll find out what Minnesota. Minnesota. There's a Twitter account. Eth, um, like interesting regional cuisines. We'll check it out. We'll find something. Find some Minnesota cuisine. Um, but yeah, Brandon. Like the one thing I got to give to Iowa, no matter how you know far they fall, and 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 Ferentz needs to be out of there. Uh, it's time. But over his tenure. And there's been different D coordinators. It hasn't been Phil Parker the whole time. The success which with, with which they find these random Midwest nothing recruits and, and consistently year turn in, year out, something. turn them into not only good college players, but like legitimate NFL, NFL yeah. players is unbelievable. Oh, yeah. And on this note, while we're on that Big Ten ideology, mm-hmm. the Big Ten West, man, I love it. Who's going to win? Yeah, this it's like insane. coastal chaos kind of, but the coastal is Technical difficulty. Um, yeah, I'm just looking at the chart right now. It's insane. It looks like Iowa, you see the most Iowa yellow, um, given their chance to win. I think it's if they win out, they're in. Um, but you got teams like Minnesota and Purdue who need a couple things to happen. Wisconsin seems like a far shot. Right. So they're they're telling you right now that right. So I we. I was the only team who controls their own destiny. Is yep. that correct? But yep. they need to win both. And yeah, I feel like they drop one. I, I don't know if I my heart can take Iowa Ohio State again. Give me it. Injected or in my Ohio, veins. Iowa Michigan. Remember Iowa Michigan last year? That was equally as awful. But it's give great. me Purdue. Yeah, but they've got a tough path. They need to win. Yeah, and they need Iowa to lose one of their games. So this is a big game for Purdue. Purdue is a big Golden Gopher fan for this weekend. Right. If I got a wager, I'd, I'd take Purdue right now because Iowa, I don't I don't know if I trust them to win both these. And, and Purdue, they get one against Northwestern. Mm-hmm. And then who's their final one? Indiana. They do have the easiest Boiler path. up. Boiler they up. They have the easiest path. But, man, this Big Ten's crazy. There might just be some Iowa magic where they go 8-4 and yep. four somehow. Yep. After being written off... The nation no might offense. owe Brian. Spencer <laughs> Petras can't do anything. I can't wait for um, defense wins championships. Inject Iowa in your veins. I can't wait for the Brian Ferentz revenge tour where he's like, "We went eight and four, baby! Like you all wrote me off." Yep, eight and four. Now, I still think there are what like eight situations in which Illinois wins the Big Ten West, and it's a thing nobody is talking about. Illinois, but, but this is assuming a loss to Michigan, which very much likely they would need to win versus Northwestern. And their most probable path would be Minnesota loses to Iowa as well as Purdue losing to Indiana and Iowa losing to Nebraska. They have a like one in like 12 chance of making it. It is ridiculous. What Can you repeat that one more time? Yeah, so with a loss to Michigan, if they win against Michigan, they're almost locked in. Um, I believe they are the ones who actually control their destiny. 
but because they're playing Michigan, probably not going to happen. So if they lose versus Michigan, they have to beat Northwestern. See, Purdue lose one of their games, Minnesota, Minnesota lose one of their games, and Iowa lose one of those games, which most likely means Minnesota beats Iowa. Iowa beats Minnesota, Minnesota beats Wisconsin, Iowa beats Minnesota, and Purdue probably loses to Indiana. That would be chaos. You know, if Purdue has it all in front of them, finally win their division, which most Purdue fans, you know, going to the Big Ten championship game, like, at Purdue, that might be the pinnacle. If you have that in front of you, there for the taking, finally. And then you lose to an Awful Indiana team. That'd be so depressing. Do you give up football? I would feel so bad for them. And hey, they're because, good at basketball. Yeah. They got something going. Caleb, he was such a good guy. That dude who stayed in our couch. Galpin's he, he, he was everything people. Passionate he, man. Everything that people talk about the Midwest. It was true. He was, he was a great yep. kid. I feel really bad for our friend Caleb. I would as well. They're just, it's just unfortunate. They're hitting the Iowa gauntlet. Hawkeye. Yeah. Hawkeye Nation. All right. Uh. Let's rapid fire our way through the night slate yep. and then and then call it a show here. We've got to get outside. It's gorgeous. See some grass. Mm-hmm. Touch grass. Uh, Tennessee, South Carolina. I will ride with Tennessee minus 22. I agree. I think South Carolina got so demoralized. Yeah. Tennessee's on a mission. There's maybe, just certain teams that it. Tennessee's built to completely blow out of the water. Yep. And especially the Hyatt revenge game. Sneaky. Uh, Jalen Hyatt sneaky revenge game. That's right. Yeah. Texas Tech, Iowa State. This is a bowl eligibility special kind of game here for Texas, Texas Tech. Tech Iowa State's it. not regionable. They've got to win out. They Iowa got... State is actually one of the worst teams in college football when it comes to just the spread in general. I believe they're sitting at 2-8 and eight against the spread. Um, mm-hmm. And <laughs> it's just not going to get any better in my opinion. Yeah. Texas Tech's been a wild card all year. Not quite sure what you're going to get, but I think they'll be fun moving forward under um, – Joey McGuire, they're recruiting better than they have been ever. Yeah. So, Texas Tech, they're one to watch moving forward. They are an underdog. Yeah. That's that's a... Um, it's probably mostly because they're on the road. But mm-hmm. um, Dog of the week special. Interesting well, game to me. Yep, mm-hmm. we'll miss Arkansas. Preseason, that was one that looked great, didn't it? Yep, and then here we are. Yeah. Well, it is still great, though, because Arkansas is maybe one of the better 5-5 five and five teams we've yep. ever seen. Indeed they are. And that kind of seems to be a theme every year. Like, damn, Arkansas, they're so good, but they have so many losses. They, they get shafted every year. Yep. Granted, they've looked kind of poor these past couple of weeks. Lost versus Liberty, lost to LSU. Can they get their mojo back on track against Ole Miss? I don't know. I think it's just a little too tall. But if Lane's really checking out and packing his bags going to Auburn, maybe this is a game that just kind of slips for him. For Yeah. I don't know. Lane, Lane's always been such a good coach when he has the talent advantage, though. Yeah. It, it really is like you take Dan Mullen, but to an extreme. Yeah. And that's kind of what Lane Kiffin coach teams are. Very true. I mean, I, I'm taking Ole Miss. Yeah. I don't think Arkansas is as good as people expected. But, I mean, it should be a good game. Yeah. They were just so behind, like, when Pittman. I think he needs a couple more years. Yeah, and they had such a good year one or two. Yeah, last year, yeah. Yeah. Bedlam. Not exciting this year for like the first time it feels like years. Yeah, but it's always exciting. Yeah. Last year was probably one that I guess will go down in Bedlam lore yeah, because one of the best. Well, probably the best 
press conference ever right afterward after the L. Mm-hmm. Do you remember the quote? I do not remember the quote. I just remember entertainment in its finest. Oh, well, yeah. Go Trojans fight on Lincoln Riley. Yep. He said, uh, he told everyone, you guys got to stop with this. I will not be the next head coach at LSU. Yep. And he was right. He wasn't. Mm-hmm. Instead, they got BK. Yep. Um, I guess if we're picking that one, give me Oklahoma State to cover seven and a half. I agree. Especially Oklahoma's been abysmal against the spread all year. And no offense, really. Kind of. Not yeah. Best. Oklahoma yeah. State's overrated. Both teams aren't that great. I just think. I mean, that spread being list, or the over under at 66 and a half seems incredibly high for two teams that aren't that good offensively. Yeah. Wait till uh, Jackson Arnold comes in for Oklahoma. Or General Booty. General Booty. Yeah, I don't know. I think Brent Venables is going to have to get things going real quick. Cause yep. <sighs> yeah, neither can. It, it, if you're 5-5 five and five in year one of your tenure in one the of SEC, the, that's fine. Yeah, but you're on the Big 12. And I get you had a lot of transfers out. I get it. But you can't be struggling to get bowl eligible in that conference. It also doesn't help when Lincoln Riley was such an offensive-minded coach going to Venables who's been defense his entire life. Mm -hmm. It's a big change for a team like that, especially in the Big 12. So I can understand the struggles. I just didn't expect it to be this bad. Yeah, it's definitely a big change. I thought 7-3, and you'd be sitting at this point with that Oklahoma team. 5-5 and makes you a little weary. Yeah, and, and, and one of the big, you know, reasons for optimism there was well, Venables is a, a defensive guy, but you're going to bring in Lebby, and, and it'll be one of those situations where he just completely takes over that yep. side of the ball. Just but hasn't looked good. And and then again, if Lebby ends up getting a head coaching job, which he's always talked about for, this didn't it starts any. to get a little spooky. Yeah. But yeah, this year didn't really do many favors for didn't that. I guess not that much. Maybe they th- Oklahoma throws a bag at uh, Garrett Riley. I think that'd be crazy. Think that'd and then it's like, you know what, Brent Venables, you have like one year to prove that you're a good coach, or we're just going to give it to Lincoln's little brother. Yep. I think that'd be entertaining. Quite the storyline. Reality TV at its finest. Give it to college football. Yep. All right. Just a couple more here. The game of the day, USC versus UCLA. Man, this could be a barn burner. I just see points galore when I look at these two teams. I feel like neither defense is like, they're both about average. The offense is just explosive. Yeah. There's a lot of games that look like shootouts on paper, right? Like TCU-Texas last week. Mm-hmm. And then there's some that are defense-proof. Like, there's no scenario here where that game ends up being, where that kind of game ends up happening. There is no mm-hmm. scenario. Oh, there's one. Every player gets injured. Then you'll see some, not that many points being scored. That's literally what it's going to take for mm-hmm. it to happen. If they game. all gator flop. Yeah. Well, I guess that'd be good for the offense. But. Yeah. Like, this game just screams points points, and more points. Like, I, I don't know mm-hmm. how else to say it. DTR, Caleb Williams, like, just two high-powered quarterbacks. Yeah, UCLA, um, their quarterback, Dorian Thompson-Robinson, in his fifth. He, this is his fifth one. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like us at tailgates now. It's like, yeah. all right, leave already. Kinda there, you know? like, yeah. They look at us funny. Five, yeah. I will say the one thing that has me a little nervous about UCLA, they just lost what should have been a gimme versus Arizona. Was that looking ahead or was that they just kind of, you know, there's some question marks there. What do you think? You see, I feel like, 
I mean, UCLA, they're just not, from a talent standpoint, I don't think they're the kind of program, the kind of team who is good enough to just sleepwalk their games. So I kind of felt all year like they were going to drop one that they shouldn't. So yeah. didn't come as a giant surprise, but man, especially when you don't play defense very well. Like, that'll yeah, happen. Yeah. But, oh, man, that running attack is going to be so fun to watch on Saturday night. Charbonnet and DTR going for, like, 150. Caleb Williams throwing for, like, 320. Like, it's just going to be a great game. Yeah, that's the one thing about UCLA. They're incredibly balanced. Mm-hmm. And so against a, a, a defense that struggled all year, doesn't really have any answers. A bunch of transfer portal kind of misfits just out there. I think USC needs, I would honestly venture to say, I think USC needs 38-plus to win this game. I guess that's not even a hot take because no, they set the point total at 76. So that's kind of yeah. what they think, yeah. Um, if you do want to know something crazy, though, both teams sit around giving up the 100th most passing yards in the country with USC at 99 and UCLA at 102 in terms of, like, ranking in FBS. That's tough. That's big for Caleb Williams. That's tough, yeah. They're going to throw it all over. I'll tell you, though, we won't get to Heisman talk this episode, but... Look out. But USC, they're sitting at one loss, and they're, you know, sneaking their way into these playoff talks because they have one loss. They have UCLA, then Notre Dame, then the winner of Oregon-Utah. I don't think they're going to win all three of those because they don't have the defense for it. But if they do... do, Man, put that man on that pedestal. Yeah. Strike the pose. Like, he's got it locked down if they pull that off. Yeah, that'd be one of the most unbelievable quarterback put the team on my back performances we've ever seen. Since 2010. Probably. Yeah. Granted, he's got a bit more talent at USC, but just taking over and making that team who they are. Like, they're not... They're nothing close if Jackson Dart is still the quarterback there. No, not remotely. Um, yeah, I, I think they find a way. I agree. I think it's a very. I think it's just going to be so high scoring. I wouldn't be surprised to see a team drop fifty. No, yeah. I'd be more shocked to see Iowa put up like fourteen than these teams put up fifty in this game. I'll remember that. Maybe. Iowa topping the temperature or um, fifty in the Rose Bowl. Hmm. Ooh, which game goes more likely over in temperature in Iowa or the over in temperature at this game? Over Projected around 70 in the Rose Bowl. Oh, well, easily. I mean, this game, easily. Yeah, not even a question. Around. Could be higher. It's going to be interesting. All right. Um, the last big one. One more, and then we'll wrap it up. Utah, Oregon. We made it to 1030. I'm kind of tired. Yeah. Need a coffee. Uh, Utah, Oregon. And, hey, Mario Cristobal is no longer there to get blown out by Utah. And good news, Duck fans. Y- you got a good coach in Dan Lanning who actually seems to know what he's doing during a game and maybe off the field with a potential big five-star offensive tackle. Um, yeah, I just think Bo Nix finally turned the corner in his career. I just think he's a little better than what you're going to get out of um, – what's his name at Utah? I can't even think of his name. Rising. Cam. Yeah. Um, a little too much speed in Oregon. I think they actually get it done. Yeah, Oregon really was one of the more complete teams in the country all year. And my only my only thing here, um, I'll admit I'm a little uneducated on the health status of Bo Nix. Because that, that is definitely factoring right. into um, 
you know, them losing last week and then the number in this game, Utah he being missed, he missed one play. Utah being favored. Yeah, but there were concerns all week. Um, I mean, yeah, if Bo Nix is out, this game completely shifts. Bo Nix is preparing himself as if he can go. Yes, I think maybe this hinders him a tiny bit when it comes to, you know, running the ball. Mm-hmm. If that slow more wary with an injury. I don't think it should be that big of a deal. There's just too much, mon- too many difference makers on this team that like it just makes up for him maybe being slightly injured than there would be with like a Utah. Yeah. Well, one thing Mario uh, Cristobal did do at Oregon was he built up maybe the best offensive line in the whole country, mm-hmm. and now Dan Lanning's reaping the benefits of that, and. Again, that staff's not there to crap the bed against Utah like they did twice last year. So, given what we saw Utah do against our offensive line, I don't think they really stand much of a chance against Oregon's. No. And especially you're adding probably more athletic linebackers in a week one situation to cover those tight ends with Oregon. Like, I just think that's Utah's biggest advantage in any game is you have... Utah's down one of them, too, at this point in the year. Oh, was it Kincaid? Brant Keithy, he is... Is the one still playing, I think? At least one of them is out for the year. Oh, Kincaid is out. So that means... Maybe they're both out. I Honestly, I think they they might might both be. That's just such a big hit for Utah. That sucks for them. Um, I mean, they still do have Tavion Thomas, who just somehow gets bigger as the game goes on. Um, running back. Tavion, yeah. Well, uh, Justin Flo, Noah Sewell, though, that's a heavyweight. That's yeah, a heavyweight. It's, it's rough. To Oklahoma drills. Sheesh. Yeah. I don't want to be running towards them. Um, it's just, you know, I think Oregon just outmans Utah, and it's what it should have been for the past couple of years. Mm-hmm. But Mario just couldn't get it done. Yeah. All right. Well, that was a great show. Great slate. Thank you for having me on. Florida football program's looking pretty healthy these days, too. As are we, as is our show. And next time we see you guys, maybe a Zoom episode before uh, the Florida State game, but we'll be back in the studio at some point uh, soon, and we'll definitely have Brandon back soon with us. It was a great time today. Thank you for joining me. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Go uh, go Hawkeyes. Win the Big Ten West. Iowa, Florida should be a fun one. And go Gators. Go that Gators. Gator Bowl is going to be great. Part of the Pigskin Podcast Network.